Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bitter. I usually speak to bands and artists about what they've done off stage to kind of support what they do and in between tours and the dichotomy of trying to make money whilst also doing the thing that you feel compelled to do. And I've got James Scarlett here, who is exactly that. He used to be an accountant before him and his friends in 2007 decided they want to do a festival themselves. That was the first 2000 Trees. Within three years, he was doing that as a full-time job. And then Arctangent came along. He's got some excellent stories. And I was glad that I could get him on the line to ask him how he's done it and get some tales from along the way. If you haven't already seen, 2000 Trees announced their lineup for next year. Jimmy Eat World and Thrice are headlining. There's so many, so many, so many good bands on that. I think it's basically the British version of Grosrock Rock next year. And they're also announcing all of Arctangent's lineup across this week. So do yourself a favour and go check that out. East London's signature brew have been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. You may know them from their collaboration beers, brewed with the likes of Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, Mogwai, Enter Shikari, and so many more. And as a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off all their beers on their website by visiting signaturebrew.co.uk and using the code 101podcast, all capitals, at checkout. All right. Here's James Scarlett, Booker of 2000 Trees and Arctangent Festivals. I mean, thank you so much for, for joining me on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Well, I was very, I was very privileged. Uh, I felt very privileged to be asked as I'm not, a, I'm not a band. But yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a creative element to what I do. So, yeah. I was just looking at the 2007 lineup. And you had In Me headlining and Frank Turner was on there. And that those are two quite, you know, at, at the time in 2007, In Me playing at the Astoria around that time, which is, you know, kind of a big deal. That's for a first festival. That's a pretty solid lineup. Yeah, I mean, we, we yeah, we were really pleased with it back in the day. I mean, Frank had actually only just started. He'd only just gone solo. So was relatively um, unknown in, apart from his sort of fans of his old band, Million Dead. Um, mm. But yeah, In Me was, uh, we were very excited to get In Me. It was literally in year one, I just booked all the bands that I knew. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And how, how did you know them? Were you putting on shows in Cheltenham? No, sorry, when I say I knew them, I mean, I just tried to book bands I listened to. Um, right. So I, I had no experience at all um, when we started 2000 Trees. So I'd never promoted a show. I had never... <laughs> really? Um, yeah, wow. I, I mean to say that. Um, I mean, I started. I started with five friends, um, and we had n- none of us had any experience in events, any experience in festivals, or any experience in the music industry. Um, and we just all we did is we liked music and we loved festivals. So um, where do you start with that? Because now, if you want to book a band, quite often they'll have their booking agent on Facebook or maybe their website. What would you What would you do back then? Would you Would you pick up the phone? Well, no, no, it was in the dark old days of MySpace. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so I guess MySpace just worked a similar way to Facebook does now. And, um, yeah, that that was how you got in contact with the band and you'd find out who their agent was and stuff. But, you know, in those days, I it's weird. Now people interview me like I'm an expert, which is quite a strange feeling because in those days I didn't know what a booking agent even was. Like I didn't – I wasn't aware in any way – of the structure of the music industry any more than any other person would be now, you know, just the the average person on the street. They don't know how the background of it all works, I don't think. And right. I didn't. <laughs> but it is fairly straightforward once you get an overview of it, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to book a band for a gig, talk to the booking agent, not the band, is is essentially the key to it. But it's quite a weird process. There's no there's no price list. There's a big guessing game over how much you pay a band. Did you learn some hard lessons in that first year? Or, I mean, even now when you're, I mean, let's face it, it's negotiation, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very good friends and acquaintances with lots of booking agents now, but their job is to get the most money they can for their artists. Yeah. Um, Which is my, good. I mean, really, because, yeah. I mean, especially as, you know, the 50 quid support fee, you know, that's probably not going to change. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, if a band ever asks me what, what should we do? Like the first person you want to get is a booking agent, I think, because it, it makes a massive difference to how many shows you get and how many festivals and it, and also the fee you'll get paid. Um, even if it's, even if you're a nobody band, it will, it's taking it from 50 quid to 300 quid or whatever, you know, which makes a difference in terms of like hiring a van or whatever. And you do need a booking agent for festivals really, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say at 2000 Trees, I also organise Arc Tangent Festival. Um, at yeah. those two, I probably book about 85% through booking agents and 15% direct. Which is so nice, man, because, I mean, like I just said, I, I, like, you know, there is that kind of rhetoric, you know, you need a booking agent to pay these big festivals. And it's so fucking great that the Trees and Arc Tangent, you don't necessarily need to. I think that gives a lot of hope to bands who maybe aren't in the position to play in front of agents or play in London or or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my, my thing is uh, with the lower down parts of our lineup is I want to dis- I want people to be able to discover, you know, the bands that are going to be big tomorrow, not just bands that are big today. So it's it's like a big discovery exercise, and some of those bands are so new that they don't have booking agents. So um, yeah, I'm more than happy to to book bands without agents. Absolutely. And it's a symbiotic thing as well, because if I find out a local band are playing Trees or Arctangent and I see those bands on that lineup, I mean, I think this is the way it works, isn't it? How, how you know, bands garner popularity and people talk about them is because I'll see them on a lineup and it'll be like, oh, that's cool. You know, and I'll tell my mate, that's wicked, that band's playing Trees. You know, it kind of works like that, I feel, maybe. Yeah, and you, yeah, certainly. And you, and you, the band looks more impressive, don't they? Like, I, um, there's some, because I'm, I've got a lot of Facebook friends that, you know, how Facebook works. They're not necessarily people I know that well um, that are in bands. And I've seen a couple of them posting this week when we did the 2000 Trees lineup. They've been posting saying, look at me, we've got our logo on the poster. So to to, so to a small band, to, to move from like just a little plain text bit at the bottom up to having a logo is a massive, is a massive thing for them. And I think everyone suddenly starts thinking differently about your band if you're on a bit, if you're on a festival's Right, having the logo rather than the name. Yes, exactly, yeah. Some of the names for next year are just just looking great. I'm really happy with the two headliners we've announced so far. I mean, Jimmy Eat World and Thrice are just absolute legends. Jimmy Eat World, I mean, that's that's insane for trees, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's like a, that is a really, really great booking for us. And I, I feel like in terms of excitement levels, people see the British bands a lot because they tour a lot in the UK. So it, right. it does feel a bit more exciting when you book, like we've got, um, you know, Jimmy Ward and Thrice. They're, they're here less often than someone like Humix 6 or Death Havana would be. So it feels that that bit more special, I think, to people. Um, it's very much like Grove Rock, I've thought. It's becoming that kind of, you know, it's got punk, it's got the heavier indie stuff, it's got the metal and hardcore stuff. Yeah, I mean... Groves Rock is certainly an inspiration to us um, in terms of their lineups. I've never actually been, um, annoyingly. Um, but 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, I think my thing is we want to have as broad a lineup as we can, but it's kind of constrained within the rock sort of world. So you're right, we'd have indie bands, but it tends to be the heavier indie bands and, and then anything. We don't go like heavy in terms of like metal that often, but yeah, all the way up to hardcore and punk and stuff. How, how have your processes changed over the years? I mean, are there, are there any moments? Are there any, I mean, I love getting stories on this podcast. It's all about stories, I, I think. But yeah. what kind of moments have, have really stuck out for you? I mean, good or bad as well. I mean, you know, when I say we didn't know what we were doing in, in year one, I think it's hard to overstate that. So, you know, as two two examples are, we didn't have, you know, like, you know what I mean by a pit barrier. It's the, the barrier right at the front of the crowd that the crowd lean against. So we didn't have one in year one, which even if you've got like a thousand people, is pretty dangerous. Um, so we put up like a temporary barrier, which collapsed. Um, and it was like, it was basically amateur town. It's like the crowd were like, there's a couple of people like mangled in the barrier. So that was pretty embarrassing and bad. Um, I mean, this is 15 years ago. Injuries happen, don't they? Absolutely. But the the other thing was um, we... We, we have now learned that if you're going to put portaloos somewhere, make sure that if it rains and it gets muddy, you can still get your toilet truck to the portaloos to clean them. Um, so in 2007, we had some rain and we couldn't get near the toilets. Now, I probably don't need to go into great details to what <laughs> what then happens um, as people wow. continue to use them. So, yeah, it, it was it was really amateurish back in those days. Whereas now, yeah, everything's changed now. It's a... It's a slick show. We've got full-time employees and lots of people, hundreds of people work during the actual festivals for us. Um, yeah, and we we know what we're doing now, I think. It's interesting as as a fan of punk rock and, and rock music as a, as a general broader idea, grew up going to Reading Festival. I, I didn't really have it. It wasn't really on my radar that there were these festivals that would actually, you know, the bands that I'd love to see that might be headlining or playing halfway up the lock-up tent or, or the Jungle Ten, or whatever it used to be called. Like you could go see those bands at Two Thousand Trees, which kind of makes you. I mean, you're in my eyes as as a for me and my friends. You it, that makes you a direct competitor to Reading and Leeds. Apart from you know you have sponsors like you know Head Above the Waves and Safe Gigs for Women, and it feels like you have that kind of agility to to be able to you know not be completely corporate and i'm not digging at reading elites i understand they've been going for years that's just naturally what happens with big companies but still i mean it, it, it's, it's an interesting aspect and i mean where do you see yourself in all of that well we well we started um we we, we actually came up with the idea at reading um and i went to reading okay. eight out of nine years um so I, i'm i'm 42 so this was like the last year i went to reading which was my eighth time was 2006 and that was the year before 2003 started um and we um we came up with the idea and it we, you know let's face it we didn't we didn't invent the boutique festival there was festivals like truck festival had been mm. around for you know 5 to 10 years before that um so we kind of what what we wanted to do is take the lineups that we liked that you'd see at a reading um and combine them with the the feel that you get at a small a smaller boutique festival. Um, so it's like the, there was no there was no boutique festivals that had really rock lineups. So we yeah, wanted to put yeah. a rock lineup in a in a boutique environment, which is that I mean it's quite a simple concept really. And that that's what two thousand trees that was the idea because I got to the point where 
I think by the time I was like 26 or 27, I felt really old at Reading. And I felt like I suddenly got to the point where I could see the kind of, the facilities weren't great. And I wasn't really enjoying roughing it to quite that extent anymore. Um, Mm. So it felt like you can give people something, a nicer environment, which is what we've tried to do at Trees. Yeah. And somewhere where you can buy records as well. I mean, like the big scary monsters, big scary monsters always have a something going on there. You know, you're buying some records that you wouldn't find anywhere else, maybe, or some t-shirts that you wouldn't get anywhere else. And that gives it that kind of family environment as well. I mean, the, the, you know, ones that you would see at Truck Festival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I love the merch um, tents at both Trees and Arctangent. Um, if you spoke to the Big Scary Monsters guys, they would tell you that the, their most regular customer is me. <laughs> I'm a, I, like, I pop in what about once every three hours and buy a load of vinyl. Um, Brilliant. So, yeah, I love it. As the festival grows, I mean, can you envision a tipping point where you, as one person, can't sort of be the head of it? Could you imagine making it a bigger company or or selling it in the future? I mean, you know, I don't know if that's a horrible question. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, there's a few aspects to that question. I think, firstly, we we don't want to grow too much because I think the thing people love about trees is how small it is. And, you know, that you've got the bumpability that you can lose your friends and find them again. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but also, um, for me, in terms of wanting to sell the festival, I have no interest, right? If the only way I would ever sell 2,000 Trees is if someone offered me an amount of money where I didn't need to work again. Now, um, that's not going to happen. So that's basically me saying I'm not going to sell trees because I've got what, if you said to me, what's your ideal job? Now, short of being a professional footballer, which I think I've probably <laughs> missed the boat on, and or, or being like a rock star, which again, I think I've missed the boat on. And, you know, this is like, this is my ideal job. So why would I want to why would I want to change it, really? Um, I actually, I used to be, um, previous to Trees, I I was an accountant, believe it or not. And, Brilliant. Um, you know, I worked for, I had a really what people would consider a good job or, you'd par- you know, the sort of job your parents are proud of. Um, yeah. I had a job and, frankly, if I was still doing that, I would be earning a hell of a lot more money than I am as a festival organiser. But I chose, like, it's a lifestyle job this is I I choose that over being an accountant and being able to live in a bigger house that you know and and my my opinion on that has never changed and I don't regret it for a second so what that means is why would I want to sell trees like I'd what would I do I'd end up still wanting to you know to do the same thing I mean there's I don't mean that I love all of my job but but I love lots of it and frankly booking I book about I think it's it's about 300 bands a year across the two festivals and starting every year with a blank slate and just being able to create a lineup is a really amazing. I feel really lucky that I can do that. Um, what year did you become a full-time festival organizer? Uh, 2000 and, uh, 2010 or 11, I think. And what were the events leading up to that? Well, I mean, so we, we originally started Trees, me and my friends and my brother. Um, That's not long after the first one. No, so the first one was 2007. And we yeah. started we started that as a hobby. It wasn't ever a career or a job or we never really expected to make any money. Um, we, we were all, we all had professional jobs like um, furniture designer, lawyer, accountant, sales, sales rep. Um, and we were, most of us were very dissatisfied with our, jobs and we felt like we needed like an outlet I think 
it was like starting a new hobby. Um, so we we just started it, and then suddenly we were like, "Hang on, this could actually be a job. This would be, wouldn't it be amazing if this was our job?" And then, wow. at some point, I hated my other my accountant job so much that I we just took the plunge. It was quite a big risk, and you know, my I mean, I was in my late twenties, but obviously, you never get to the point where your parents don't have an opinion on your life. Yeah. And my dad was just horrified that I was throwing away this supposedly great job secure well-paid job for to do this really random thing like running a festival that those are components that you need for a festival accountancy marketing set designer what was the other one lawyer yeah lawyer lawyer's been useful a few times over the years yeah no i'm not surprised you you must look back and laugh at that i mean that that's kind of the stars aligning isn't it yeah absolutely i mean one of the guys was a journalist as well so he did all our press and stuff so yeah perfect um it worked really well. And some of those, some of the original team are still, like the lawyer is still a lawyer. He works, he works part-time on the festival. But three of us have completely quit our old jobs and are, and are full-time. So, yeah. It's, Excellent. I, I feel very lucky because there wasn't any design behind it all. We just kind of randomly fell into it. And Arctangent, so it started in 2013. Why, what made you feel the need that you, you need to do that. I mean, because now it's quite clear. Look at people like, you know, 65 Days of Static or This Town Needs Guns. What other festivals could they play, <laughs> you know, in some yeah. sense? I mean, there's there's a few, but just Arctangent is obviously, you know, catered for for those kinds of bands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what, what we'd started to see at 2000 Trees was bands like 65 Days um, and Maybe She Will and then So Much From Afar and mm. tall ships, three chap tigers. They all, yeah. they, they yeah. were all quite popular at trees. And you'd put them on in the second stage, and they'd pack the tent out. And it was like, I kind of slowly realised there's a scene here that I didn't really realise was a scene. And it started to become the music that I was listening to more and more. And also, this happened at a time when trees was growing, but we didn't want to make it um, like too big. So. We, uh, me and one of the other guys just took the plunge and started another festival, um, and that is Arctangent. And, you know, I had no idea whether or not that would be successful, whether or not there was an audience big enough. Because it costs, you know, over half a million pounds a year to put on Arctangent. Um, so you, you, need, you need plenty of ticket sales to cover that. Um, so we had literally no idea whether that would work, but it has. I've just I mean, got to ask, why, why didn't you want to make trees too big was it because you know you've seen other people do it and you've seen bands get too big too quick i mean for what reason i mean well it's it's the same it's the same as i said earlier really it's like we i think it's our usp really what you know why would you go to trees and not download and the reason is all reading and the the number one reason isn't the lineup the number one reason is because you get bands you like but there is a nice small intimate community feel feel to it and you can find your mates when you lose them like i can't compete with um some of the bands like you know when yes yeah yes <laughs> yeah i can't compete with you know tall or faith no more or biffy clyro or whatever and you know i accept that there's some wonderful bands play at reading and download but what i can do better than them is um is give you a really nice feeling festival and that you, that you have a, a great time at, and also you can watch a brilliant lineup. Um, and you know, I, I'm not saying their lineup's better than ours because I don't think it is necessarily. I mean, 
I think we do the up and coming stuff way better than any big festival does. Um, you know, we'll you'll see Creeper or Black Peaks at our festivals before they hit those big ones. Um, so I'm I'm really proud of that. Um, but yeah, I I think if if Two Thousand Trees was let's say it was double the size, thirty thousand, I think that would really change the feel of it um, and the vibe. And so Arc Tangent, I mean, was that not doubling your workload? Yeah, well. There's a lot of sort of synergies between the two. So it's not quite doubling. It is doubling the workload on the band booking, but it's not doubling the workload in terms of all the infrastructure like uh, staging and toilets and fencing and sound. Do and you use the security. same for both festivals? It's a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Right. The stuff that the, the, we try not to make the festivals feel the same. They don't feel the same, actually. If anyone who's been to both would, but a lot of the stuff that no one cares about, like fencing. It's the same company, um, you know, security, same company. So so that does mean that there's, there's a lot of efficiencies to be had there in terms of your time. Um, it's not So it isn't quite doubling. Similarly to like sort of print journalism, festivals everywhere else seem to get, you know, more expensive. The lineup seems to kind of be compromised. And what what is your secret to, you know, year after year smashing it with both festivals? It's tricky. I think they're different. I think 2000 Trees, the secret is, you know, bands do want to play 2000 Trees, but having said that, they, they will also, they also want to play Slam Dunk and Download. So we're in a, we're in a bit of a competition fighting over bands for them. But I think the secret really is to stay on top of what's good and what's new and, and what, what the public want to see. It's really important to, to realize that you're not booking a festival for yourself. You're booking a festival for other people. Um, now that doesn't mean I'm going to go and book Adele if she's available or Ed Sheeran, um, but within our rock sort of world, um, you want to you're booking bands that people want to see. So um, it's not actually rocket science in a way. And an Arc Tangent, the lucky thing about Arc Tangent is it's a festival I would go to every year if I wasn't the organizer. So that's very easy lineup to book because it's what I listen to. Really? Where where do you find out about new acts for for Arc Tangent? Um, there's a few websites um, like smaller blogs and stuff, and then there's some record labels like Big Scary Monsters, um, and then I know various um, sort of music managers and booking agents and stuff, and people will send stuff my way. And the moment I listen to a band, I can always it's always either a Trees band or an Arc Tangent band. Very rarely is there. A crossover someone like black peaks work at both and so yeah. from far work at both but mo- most bands don't work at both festivals in my head so i'm very very clear in my mind and it's not quite as arctangent is not quite as niche as people might think you know we got we had mashuga headlining last year and opeth this year you know these are big commercial bands albeit quite you know they're quite left field, but they're still yeah. very popular. Um, I think, you know, I, I mentioned This Town Needs Guns earlier and, and 65 Days or, or you know, And So I Watch You is, is a perfect example is that, you know, when you like a band like that, more often than not, you love them rather yeah. than being a casual fan. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the, the, the reason Arc Tangent has been successful is because there is no other place for these people to go and watch all of these bands at the same time. So Soul Richard Mafar might do a tour and they'd play, well, I live in Bristol. They play to like 400 people in Bristol. But, you know, when they play Arc Tangent, they'll play to a crowd of like 7,000 or something. Um, and it's like a rabid, like crazy mo- mosh pit um, for Soul Richard Mafar. And that's the only place 
I'd go as far as to say it's the only place in the world where they're going to get a crowd of 7,000 that is absolutely knows the songs and is into it to that level. Right. And the band's going to love that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, the Trees and Arctangent are both very, very loved by the by the bands, um, but particularly Arctangent because there's no other options for them. Um, like if you look at Trees, I, like there's a band like Creeper. I know they love Trees, but I'm sure when they play Slam Dunk or Download, they also get a really great reaction. Um, but where if you talk about Arctangent and then Solitary from Afar, I mean, or um, yeah, this town, this town, guns, um, those those bands, that is. That's the place for them. It really is. I don't. I don't want to sound arrogant. No, I'm, I'm with you. I was about to say. I just can't really imagine them on a on a reading lineup, no. or a download lineup. No, exactly. And even like we had Dillinger Escape Plan headline, and you know when they played at Reading, I heard from people that it was like empty and re- like in 2000. Oh, really? I don't, know, I don't know what it was. Let's say 2014. I'm guessing. Right. And it and because of the way Reading's changed over the years in terms of its genres and it's shifted more to like more electronic and hip hop and stuff. And um, so Dillinger, that's not the place for them anymore. Like when I was going in 2005, I'm sure they would have gone down a storm, but it's not like that anymore. I think in 2005, my older brother went and I think the guitarist like shat into a towel and threw it into the crowd. And apparently I was there. (laughs) I was there. Um, I I was genuinely, it's one of those gigs that everyone says they're at, but um, it wasn't. (laughs) He, uh, that was an unbelievable moment. Um, yeah, it was all on the big. <laughs> it's all on the big screen either side of the stage as well. Wow, um, it's pretty. And, uh, it was, and it was Ramo. Was that main stage there? Yeah, yeah. He, um, wow. yeah. I mean, he ended up smearing himself in his own feces at the end. It was pretty uh, remarkable performance. But when <laughs> when he played Arctangent, he was really nice. And you know, at the end of his set, <laughs> they mind, always are. Yeah, bear in mind they're a band that. They fit in the Arctangent world, but they also fit outside of it in a more sort of heavy metal world. And they, they've played all sorts of festivals over the years. But at the end of at the end of his Arctangent set, he said to me, "That's the best show they've played on their entire European tour. They've been all over Europe." And he was like, "That's Amazing. the best." Um, and I, I think the credit for that goes to our audience, you know, because they're so they're just mega dedicated to their music. It's all they care about. In a world of the internet and Instagram and Facebook and doing all that from the band world, from, from, you know, artist perspective, I think it's quite easy to feel like you have to have a box to fit into, but actually there's a place for every band in the world, isn't there? There's a place for all kinds of music. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's the thing I love about Arctangent is that you can, we can have an electronic band on and we can have a, like a really, really heavy sort of left field metal band on and they, and they, they can play, side by side and they fit together um, and, so, yeah. and there's going to be records and bands in the future that we had no idea could anything could sound like that you know I think that's the make that's the one thing that makes me so excited about music on a day-to-day basis yeah I mean it's it's really mad the where it can go and one, one of the things I do struggle a bit as you get older you know when you hear like oh here's the latest band that's decided they're going to sound like Nirvana it's a mm. bit it's a little bit boring because if you're if you're my age you remember Nirvana the first time round, so yeah, so it's not fresh. Although I have to remind myself that to an eighteen-year-old, that may well sound fresh. So, but I'm more, I'm much more excited by what you're talking about, which is the bands that are doing something new, and they don't, they might have influences, but they don't sound like other, you know, a, a complete rehash of something that's already happened. 
I just interviewed the singer of uh, Bedroom, you know, without the vowels, B-D-R-M-M. Yeah. And they, they sound like something that, maybe there's something that old, people older than me know about, but to me, they just sound brand new. And they, that's just so exciting to me. Amazing. Well, I, I don't know them. I'll go and check them out. Thank you so much, James, for, for joining me. I, I feel like I should ask you about because, I mean, I think, you know, we all need to be talking about it, which is representation of, of different cultures and different sexes being represented in, in gigs and, and on stages. And we don't want it to be a boys club. Is, is that something that you speak about with your, with your team quite a lot? How do you, how do you navigate that? Um, I, I mean, I think I should start this by saying I'm a white male. So I, I and I recognise that I am a white male. So, and I realise that anything I say, someone could just say, "Well, he's a white male." Of course, he's going to say that. So, what I'm about to say is that I I don't book based on sex or any other criteria. Um, I'm I'm certain of that in my own head. Now, whether I could let anyone else know that, but if you if you speak to um, some of the um, amazing women that have played at 2000 Trees and Art Tangent over the years, like Serena from Svalbard. They're very outspoken about how great 2000 Trees and Art Tangent have been in supporting women women in those genres. Um, so like Art Tangent, like the reality is there aren't that many um, women or... It's all white men, basically, So yeah. um, in the bands. So like probably, I don't know, let's say 85% of the of the band members in those bands are white men. So actually getting women represented on the lineup is quite difficult um, at times. But every time I, you know, I hear a great band, I book them. I book Brutus, I book Rolo Tomasi, I book um, Svalbard. You know, there are, mm-hmm. there's a lot of examples. Now, I know that I, I, I'm not positively discriminating. I'm booking those because they're amazing. Yeah. Um, now I Employed don't... to serve. Justine, yeah. like her voice is just... Un- unreal unreal yeah. incredible yeah and she's played both my festivals um i think it's really difficult because i don't i i've never booked honestly i've never booked a band because they've got a woman in it mm. i don't i don't go out and be and be like i'm going to positively discriminate and i think that is what some people would like us to do now i don't believe that's the right way forward and i i heard an interview with serena the other day and she was saying the same she doesn't want to be a token woman on a lineup she wants people to book her because her band fits that lineup and she's a they're a great band. And Svalbard are a great band, so why wouldn't I book them? I've booked them loads of times. Um so it's quite tricky. Um I think the world's got into a, a lot better place. Now you asked me um what do we do we talk about it in our team? Yes, we do. And we've done some we've never made this public really, but we've done some research where we've compared the percentage of women on our lineups versus the percentage of women in the in bands, the booking, the main booking agents we use, the main record labels we use, and the main management companies, and we're we've always got a higher percentage playing two thousand trees, or certainly two thousand trees, than there is in the booking agency, or in the management, or in the record label. So I feel like right. we're doing more more than the average. Now, the last thing the last thing I'd say on the topic, and I'm, I don't profess to be an expert, but I feel like if we if we think women playing in heavy rock bands is a good thing then we then then it's not it's something that needs to be encouraged a lot earlier than i get to the process do you know what i mean it's like how is it about well it's a question rather than a statement actually is it about how we stereotype our sons and daughters when they're younger you know why is it you buy your 
your son a drum kit and your daughter, uh, you know, I don't know, like some female stereotyped toy. Now, I don't know if I'm not saying I know everything. I don't, because it's quite a sensitive topic. You can end up digging yourself a massive hole. But I feel like it, I feel like it happens a lot earlier in the process. But I'm there to support great bands with female members, absolutely 100%. I think it's, it's just something that needs to be celebrated. Absolutely, 100%. And, and also, I don't doubt for a second that there is some male-dominated sexism within the music industry, a huge amount of it, uh, that has probably happened at record labels and at larger festivals and all over the place. And we, need, we do need to continue to fight against that. I think the question is, how, what's, the best, what's the best way to do that? And I think for someone as myself, where I think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, of course, girls playing punk rock and rock music and heavy music. You know, I still need to remind myself that I still have a job for that as well. It, it, it doesn't end, really, does it? Having no, that responsibility. absolutely, hundred percent. Well, James, thank you so much. My pleasure. Really, really good to speak. I enjoyed that. Great, and it's so great to ask questions that I guess you know I probably wouldn't usually ask, or don't have. You know, if I saw you around the festival, I'm sure you wouldn't have time to to, to talk about this kind of stuff. No, no, it's it's been really good chatting. But if if you do come to Trees or ATG next year, then uh, let's have a beer, definitely. Awesome. I've been working all day, got me mate on the side, running around like a blue ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day, got me mate. Every blink of me, I've been on the go. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.